Hello, and welcome back to Hope, a podcast wishing to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. The Webster's Dictionary defines hope as a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Today, we're going to hear from Christina Dunham about her battles with obesity and how she took back control of her life. Christina, Danny Daniel here. Hi. How are you? I'm doing just great. I'm even doing a lot better to talk to somebody in California. That's like another world. Well, I'm in Washington now, but I think it's just about as hot as California these days. <laughs> oh, good grief. Uh, Washington uh, State or Washington, D.C. or what? I'm in Washington State. I'm in central Washington now. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. you started with, I guess, a battle. And we'll call it a battle unless you've got a better term of uh, trying to work with some issues way back in uh, what elementary school, high school, uh, elementary school. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't really a time I ever remember not not being overweight. So it, it started young. <laughs> well, that uh, that's a real challenge because I think that uh, elementary kids can be about as mean or as uh, uh, dysfunctional with other people as anybody can. Uh, you don't have to go through life to get that way. They they seem like they're born that way sometime. For sure. And there's no filter on a lot of kids. <laughs> so. No, I imagine I imagine not. Uh well how how did how did you deal with that uh uh issue of being overweight uh without getting so frustrated that you just want to throw your hands up or something like that? And, you know, there's definitely times where you want to do that. Um, for me, I think I just got really blessed where, um, you overcome a lot with humor and you overcome a lot where, um, I just happened to be really smart. And so it ended up working in my favor where, um, you know, I had a lot of friends and if, if you cover things up with humor and I learned that from a really early age, um, no matter how mean and cruel, you get a really good support team behind you that, you know, if you're the fat, funny kid, you know, they're somehow more acceptable. Um, you know, if you if you hide the discomfort, I think sometimes, um, I think that's really what pushed me through. And that definitely was a coping mechanism for me that I, I learned really early on is, you know, you're smart. People want to be in a in a group with you when you do projects. And if you're funny, then and you make fun of yourself before anybody else can. It's, it's definitely a, a barrier to, to some kids thinking, oh, well. You know, she she must be okay with, you know, the way she is. And I think that that translates into, well, she's okay with it. I'm okay with it. So there's always going to be people that maybe don't, you know, buy that that front, which I guess would be, a tr you know, true in some aspects. But it is definitely a, a life lesson is the more comfortable you are with yourself. I think people learn to also accept you. Well, to a certain degree, I guess yeah. you had to turn a, a liability into an asset uh, that you could. Yeah. You could uh, you could project out there as something that people want, would want to be drawn to. Uh, you mm -hmm. mentioned, uh, I think, uh, when you were talking to Danielle, our producer, that uh, an alcoholic can hide the alcohol, but she can never hide her weight. She wore it, mm -hmm. uh, struggles on her every day. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It makes your condition even more difficult because you, you can't hide yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I think I came to that realization when I realized that food had a stronger control over me than it was just, I just eat because I'm hungry. Um, there's definitely an addiction aspect. You know, I, I told Danielle too that, you know, you don't get to be over 500 pounds without there being some kind of underlying mechanism that tells you, you know, or that, that has some sort of control over you in some way. Well, there's nothing um, there to slap, slap your hand, is there? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no. And unfortunately, you got to eat to live where, you know, an alcoholic doesn't have to drink to live. You know, you can, the abstinence factor, you know, that that is, you know, really talked about in a lot of different programs. It's just not there. Um, and I tried just about everything to, to make it over that hump and let go of that, that addiction of sorts. But um, it, took, it took a lot of years. Well, uh, it took a lot of years, maybe until after high school or what? When did you really reckon with the fact that you had to do something about it? You know, I think I knew for years that I needed to do something about it. But for me, it was, you know, you'd be successful, you know, losing a few pounds, you know, here and there. Um, but I never was able to lose more than 10 pounds at a time. And, you know, I was over 300 pounds at, at 11, 12 years old. Um, so it was it was just this huge, you know, gargantuan task in front of me that I think that I just sort of shoved under the rug as best I could and pretended that I was okay to just live my life out this way because I never really believed that, um, you know, I'd make it through it. So. How about your family support uh, during those years? Um, I was pretty much raised by my dad with my two older sisters, and my dad was also overweight. I was definitely more, you know, more obese than than he was and then just kind of like the average family member but you know um my dad was always more concerned okay what what's your health look like so I really appreciate that side of things where you know um and I'm still a big proponent of that is is doesn't really matter what your weight is but how do you feel and how healthy are you and that was always um his biggest concern and I never really had any health issues especially as a kid um so he never really pushed the weight loss issue because I think that, you know, he, there was guilt in there. Um, and so I'm glad that, you know, he taught me some, some good lessons with all of that. But, um, yeah, there was, and my sisters never really had an issue and they were older and not, you know, old enough. And that was kind of the family support that I had is that, you know, we, we love each other and we don't use the F word. We don't use the fat word <laughs> in the house. And, um, we just kind of, go about our day and love each other as is, which is a great lesson, but um, unfortunately it didn't really help with weight loss. So, What is the truth to the uh, gene effect of, uh, of, of weight? Uh, if your dad's um, big, then you're going to be big. It didn't happen to the other two sisters, I guess, but uh, well, they 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 um they never were really super thin either. I mean, they still struggle with weight, but I don't think it was as, as strongly. Both of my parents actually ended up having weight loss surgery. Um, in order to help lose weight. Um, I think there's a huge gene factor involved. I mean, I'm not a, a scientist, but, you know, I I would credit about half of, even even if it's just not like your genes that say, oh, I'm going to, you know, your, your predisposition to lose weight, but I think it's also our predisposition to enjoy food or to want to overindulge. I feel like that's, there's also a genetic factor there. Um you know, of course, I think there's a 50-50 because, you know, my grandmother, my grandfather, you know, everybody basically struggled 
Um, and it's kind of interesting because there's a divide. Um, my grandmother and great grandfather were overweight, um, but my grandfather was in the military, very thin, very gangly. And out of the the five kids on my dad's side of the family, there's a strong divide where two were long and lean, and the rest looked just like my grandma and my dad. So um, there's definitely something inherited there. Yeah, and it's um it's something that you can't uh, really. It's something you can do something about, but it's not your fault, so to speak. Right. Uh, and right. I thought it was interesting that you said that your your dad, you said he was overweight or is overweight, mm-hmm. whatever. But but he had some sense of a guilt factor, so that he didn't really pounce down on you about uh, losing weight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was as I got to be an adult, he had mentioned to me too um, at one point after we had both lost a significant amount of weight, and he actually apologized to me one day, and he goes, "I just didn't realize." <laughs> you know, how much it had affected me. Um, he, he saw the same facade everybody else did is, well, you're healthy, you're happy, you have lots of friends. You know, I was still actually doing sports for quite a long time, even being substantially overweight. And I think that um, that in his mind equated to, you know, everything being okay. Um, but I think he was also at a loss. So it was just like, even if I wanted to help with this, he was so afraid of, um, like the browbeating sort of um, approach to it, which early in my childhood um, was kind of my mom's approach to it when she was still kind of in the picture. Um, and he never wanted to be that, you know, because that, that makes it worse. You know, you, you can't guilt somebody into losing weight. Well, we're going to get to the good part of your story in just a half a second yeah. here. But uh, is, is the term eating disorder, is that synonymous with uh, being overweight? Or not? Um, I would I would say for most people that's probably true. Um, I think that it's very hard to get to at least you know a significant amount of obesity without there being some sort of um, eating disorder involved. Okay, now that we check that off, let's move to the good part of your story and and the solutions that you've been able to acquire uh, to help with this condition. Um, what uh, what made you come to that point that uh, you just said, okay, we're going to do something about this. And then you got some help from your family and you got some help from uh, an institution. Yeah. So um, for me, it got to the point where, you know, I was always very independent. I was on my own since I was 17. Um, I lived, you know, by myself. I bought all of my own things. I, I had a lot of pride in that. Um, and I think it got to the point I had just hit my 30th birthday. And I was well over 500 pounds and it got to the point where it was hard to get up in the morning just to go to work. And I had a desk job. It wasn't like it was that hard. Um, But here I am over 500 pounds. I actually worked in the respiratory um, um, world and I ended up um, going to um, to the doctor and I tried all all kinds of different things. Didn't really work. and I found myself getting hard just to, to move, you know, from, from one room to another, um, hard to breathe, you know, and it hurt to sit down, it hurt to stand up. And I just had a breakdown and I actually ended up calling my mom and I said, you know, I, I just can't do this anymore, you know, and, and I always loved to write and she had told me, she said, just write it down. You know, sometimes you can create a plan if you just write everything down. Um, and if you could ask for help and if you help came, what would that look like? And 
So I wrote it down and I kind of stashed it for a few months. And then a few months later rolls by and I have another, you know, breakdown. I call my mom again and she goes, give me, give me that letter, you know, read that to me. And I ended up actually sending it to her where, um, you know, pride, pride told me never would have reached out for help before, but, um, she ended up sending that to a television show who picked that up and actually sent me to a fitness camp after all was said and done. And, um, there was a lot at stake there. Um, but I learned a lot of lessons and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. But what it did was remove me from my, my whole world. It removed me from the fast food. It removed me from focusing on work. I was actually a full-time student at the same time, um, and put me in a, in a controlled environment where not only did they educate and support, but really just kept pushing me to, you know, make these habits lifelong. <clears throat> and um, it it definitely worked. It definitely um, was enough of a separation from my day-to-day um, routine that I was able to kind of break those chains that were just sort of binding me to these habits. Well, it helped you develop new habits, uh, habits that were healthy. Uh, I certainly can Absolutely. see that. And uh, habits that would help you lose uh, weight while you're out there, which we want to get back into. But, uh, you yeah. know, you, you kind of needed a new world. You just needed a new world. And, uh, oh, I did. <laughs> and when you, when you get off from being uh, controlled by your condition, uh, and, and you can enter that new world and make it work for you. Uh, tell us mm-hmm. what... All right, A, that place was not free out there. Uh, are you at liberty to tell us what the name of the place was? Um, so it's Premier Fitness Camp, um, and it was they actually hosted me. So I typically, somebody would have to pay, yes. Um, but as it gets to me and, and due to my story and kind of the extreme nature of things, um, they did host me um, for six months at no cost. So uh, That's a biggie. I, I, I would, yeah, huge. Uh, huge. Really, really huge. <laughs> Might have been something that would have prohibited you from being able to uh, go out there if you had to pay that huge fee. I'm sure they charge, but you did a, a yeah. kind of a fund me account or something like that, uh, and and raise that mm-hmm. money. Um, so I ended up because the the stay was covered, but my other life expenses were not. So if I needed new tennis shoes, if I needed to keep my cell phone on, um, I actually let all of my belongings go. So both of my vehicles that I was paying on, I lost my apartment. Um, you know, all of my credit accounts went into default. Um, basically let everything go that I possibly could. Um, and so financially, you know, it's, it's taken a while to recover for me. Um, but during that time, you know, I told everybody I lived off the kindness of others, um, which was so, so humbling where, um, people did give, and I think that they were kind of inspired by, you know, what I was trying to do. Um, I just, I felt guilty a lot of the way because it's hard for me to accept those gifts, but um, my cell phone stayed on. You know, I, I definitely was able to buy new shoes because, you know, you're, you're working out six days a week. You, you need quite a few pairs. And um, as I lost sizes, I was able to buy, you know, new workout clothes and it was just it was just such a blessing all the way around to, to see that outpouring of love and that my story spoke to to people. Well, it, it sounds like you really do have a story and you have a story that worked. Uh, you had to pay a price to go out there and you had to admit yeah. to yourself that you wanted to get better uh, in your mm-hmm. circumstances and uh, admit that there was 
a guardian angel out there, a bunch of them that can make those things happen for you. Uh, and, yeah. and I, I just, I'm proud for that. I, I think if we really analyze a little bit about uh, America, there are yeah. probably other people that are overweight. No, there are a lot of other people that are overweight. And, but, mm -hmm. but the, the, the sad thing about it is they don't reckon with it. Uh, they don't put themselves in a position to say, let's do something about it. That's where yeah. you, uh, you came into play, and, and it's really worked out well for you. Uh, so if yeah. you're overweight, uh, no matter whether it's 20 pounds or 50 pounds or whatever it might be, there are some solutions out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's always, and like you, you know, like, like this podcast, there, there's always hope. I think that, that that's where people get the most defeated. I tell people that you need a plan A, you need a plan B, C, D, and if you make it all the way through the alphabet, you need to start over. You need to have a plan after plan um, because what works today may not work tomorrow. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is, you know, they feel defeated, but there's always got to be hope. There's always got to be another plan because this isn't the end of it. You know, there's there's something that we can do and there's there's a team that you can build that um, will help you realize those goals, whether it's weight loss or I believe any any other goal that you have. Well, you probably need some sense of a support system around you, like your, I guess your mom, more than anything else, was the one that pushed you to go out there uh, or mm -hmm. facilitated you to go out there. You need a support system. Yeah. It's hard to do it by yourself. But on the other hand, yeah. every day that you get up, you are yourself. You're not anybody mm -hmm. else. And so right. that, yeah. that pushes you to try to say, look, let's do something uh, that might make me better uh, to that extent. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not supposed to do this, I'm sure, but uh, it, all the neutral systems in the world won't just get the job done, will they? No, no. Um, and I, I think it hit the nail on the head where, you know, you need that support system, but it, it all comes from inside. It's got to be that intrinsic motivation. Um you know, the same same person that, you know, oh, well, if they're an addict to anything, well, I wanted to give it up. You know, but I wanted to give it up for somebody else. And if it doesn't come from inside and there isn't that internal motivation of something greater, um, it's, it's easy to lose sight. Um, so that's where your your team and your support come in, into play. But every day when you open your eyes, it's got to be, um, you know, that personal motivator and you've got to you've got to want it. Well, you're not not only got to want it, it must be that you wanted it pretty doggone bad because uh, <laughs> I see down here that it, it wasn't a lot of fun out there, right? Um, you, you know, it's kind of funny looking back on it, man. I hurt all the time. Um, I, I really struggled in the beginning, you know, when you're over 500 pounds and it, it takes everything you've got just to get up and down the stairs. And then you're asked to, you know, do all of these different exercises and everything's got to be modified. You know, there's times where I was like, I'm leaving, I'm done. And that's where that support comes in, where it's like, you got this. You, you've already been doing this for how long? You know, look how far you've come. And then it, it just reignites that fire. Um, but, you know, when everything hurts, and <laughs> I think I lived in, in Epsom salt baths for, you know, six months straight because everything was sore. But I think I learned the biggest lesson in, in through that pain and, and I was definitely lonely. I was out there by myself while my family was, you know, a thousand miles plus away. So um, I learned to, to kind of rely on myself and, and the trust in the, the care team 
Um, but it was it was physically very very hard and and emotionally too. But um, it taught me the lessons that I needed to carry on. That you know it is possible. You can do it. Like you've hiked mountains. You know carrying hundreds of pounds extra than what you should weigh. Like you got this. Well, what what about the camp that you thought uh, not only was hard, but it couldn't get too hard for you to quit? Uh, you were going to get through that doggone thing no matter what it took. Yeah, I mean that was that was the whole mentality here. The whole thing is that there there was mornings. You know, I was never a morning person. I'm still not. But you know, our day started at, at six a.m. and um, it just got to the point where you just got to get stubborn about it you know I'm not I'm not the most stubborn person I'm pretty easy going um but there was there was a switch in there somewhere where you just kind of got to get mad <laughs> you just got to be like you know your body and your brain are going to trick you and I think that's part of where those those genetics come into play again where you know that that tolerance level just hasn't been built up yet um and you just got to get that you know that thick skin and just keep pushing through because it's totally worth it in the end. And, you know, I don't think you ever come out the other side. I think fitness, health, weight loss, it's a journey all the way through that I'm still working through. Um, But you sort of develop this like can do attitude, which sounds a little cheesy, but it's it's definitely very true Um, where you just kind of keep pushing through and eventually it starts to become second nature. And, you know, eventually you have to go back and sort of revisit those lessons that, you know, you learned a long time ago, but, um, those hard days at camp definitely taught me how to live for the long haul. Well, I, uh, I'm happy to hear you say something good about attitude. I've always believed that attitude is, uh, 90% positive and the other 10% doesn't count uh, because it doesn't do you much Mm -hmm. good. But, uh, your journey has required you to have a good attitude. There's no question about that. And what were the results of that, uh, uh, out there, that facility, uh, um, so in six months, um, I had lost just over a hundred pounds while I was still there. Okay. So I, I did, I did pretty good. Um, and I just kind of kept going. I did end up having, um, some, I did have weight loss surgery back, um, long before I had a lap band done, which, um, never really was successful for me back in 2012. And I was in camp in, um, 2000. 17 to 18 I think um but I ended up having reconstructive surgery to remove that band and then had um um more weight loss surgery just to kind of aid in all of that there's there's my plan ABC kind of starting to line up there um just to sort of aid in the continual weight loss and so um it's it's been a success kind of from from beginning to end you know um it's not a, it's not a cure-all, you know, no surgery, no camp, no anything is ever going to do it. You still have to put the work in. Um, but I've, I've been super blessed this entire journey for sure. Well, I do believe in miracles and I readily, uh, acknowledge that. Uh, I think that you thought that maybe you would never have children, uh, and that mm-hmm. was just not going to happen, but, uh, something did happen, didn't it? It did. Um, you know, I always, I always thought, um, when I hit, that was part of what broke down, what, what caused me to break down, you know, right after my 30th birthday was, you know, I'm becoming an old maid and I'm over 500 pounds. It causes health issues and, you know, fertility issues that 
I just thought was damage that I couldn't undo. And I, I have been trying to come to peace even after losing weight um, that I might never be a mom and, and, you know, really trying to pour into my family in other ways. And um, got to the point where, well, we can try this, you know, and see what happens. And um, to about two weeks. <laughs> so I am um, the, the hope that I thought was gone. Um, definitely definitely surprised me and surprised me very quickly um and also surprised me how resilient like the human body can be um and I just you know kind of brings tears to my eyes to think that like I get I get that chance you know I'm I'm not broken and I think that that's kind of the the mantra that plays through my head throughout this whole journey is that I was never broken um even in even with medical issues that I thought would never correct themselves or I was too far gone, um, there's always room for improvement. No one's ever too far gone. Well, I've always heard that babies can't wait. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I hear that too. <laughs> uh, they, they they're going to come along any way you any way you think about it. Uh, and uh, the, you know the the biggest word in our in our uh, whole show is hope. Uh, we're trying to project hope, and you. Had a lot of hope going out to uh, to California, and that hope paid off. And you had a lot of hope about having a child, and that's going to pay off in what uh, four weeks? Is that right? Uh, well, three weeks now. I'm going quick. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, we'll give you yeah, three yeah. weeks then. Uh, have you come up yeah. with a name yet? Yeah, he um, his name is his dad picked his name. His name is Asher, and his middle name is Alan after after my dad. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well. Listen, you are the epitome of hope, and uh, we know that it works. Uh, we want to encourage anybody out there that uh, wants to take a look seriously at uh, weight loss and uh, have a good attitude and make it happen, because you did. Absolutely. It's possible, and there's, there's always hope, and it's never too late. Well, thank you so much for relating all this to us, and good luck on your new baby. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. This episode recorded at Vega Studios, produced by Danielle DeHall. Also remember to follow us on social media. We will be posting our episodes on our Facebook page along with the website. Stay in touch with us and spread the word. It's all about hope. But before we go, I wanted to remind the listeners that I'm a huge supporter of the UGA Miracle which is the largest student-run organization at the University of Georgia that raises money for children's health care of Atlanta. They raise over a million dollars a year, and you can be a part of that. Just go to ugamiracle.org, and you can donate. Remember, any amount given is a step closer to saving a child's life.